You're listening to the Next Wave Radio Network. What happened last night? You got in a bad accident? You had to help a friend out that was in some trouble? <laughs> what happened? Locusts. Yeah, I had a friend that fell asleep from <laughs> a crazy lasagna accident. Yeah. <laughs> <You got> me. <laughs> Who's, who is your, was your friend Garfield? <laughs> who, who is your friend? You got pasta wasted. <laughs> <laughs> well, I do have a cat. You know, yeah, is it orange is, tabby? Is that your roommate? He is, is your roommate? he is orange. Well, technically, my roommate is, is a cat. cat. <laughs> wow. Listen to Joe's uh, voice work for uh, my roommate is a cat, right? My, my roommate is a cat. My yeah. roommate oh, is and, a cat. Oh, and by the way, uh, ID Invaded, uh, that, that show is going to oh, be yeah. hitting Blu-ray oh. coming up uh, in October. Yeah. And don't forget about checking out Haka to Talk to Ramen. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, Tess. God bless you, brother. That's my that's my hype man right there. Gotcha, yeah, yeah, he is right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, all, yeah. all he needs is like a hand towel, <laughs> Wait, and a, and a golden rope, well, whatever it needs to be for Joe. Whatever it needs to be. Wait, hope for waving. Wait for, um, yeah, it better be for waving. I don't know what's going on now. I'm toweling. We we did have this. We had this whole thing. Tess and I sometimes when we're working, we try to come up with these fun scenarios, like for <laughs> for things. Like I, you know, he he's like you could see he's wearing his t shirt for his web series, The Potion. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah man. So we Too bad uh, this is an audio podcast. But... We we try to come up. We come up <laughs> you with. Guys uh, can see it, well, though. that's why I described I wear, it. So I wear it for you guys, man. For you too, man. I like it. It kind of has right. an editing bay kind of feel to it with the drippy letters. Oh, the now I'm the letters. I almost wore the editing bay shirt. No, oh, did we give you one of those? Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You did. Oh, yeah, you he sure did. did. He bought two. One. All right. So anyway, I was saying. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Mother, mother. <laughs> Proceed. <laughs> we come up. We come up with these uh, these scenarios of like tests and like you know he's this guy. He's trying to make it in the industry. Trying to make it in Hollywood. He goes. He has like this fantastic interview and ends up accidentally getting a job as a fluffer on a porn set. <laughs> like, <laughs> He's like, yeah, the interview was weird. He like spent a lot of time looking at my hands. <laughs> I, guess I thought I was gonna be a hand, hand model. Job, I, guess. Huh, I never thought I had pretty hands before. <laughs> <laughs> Where he takes takes his nephew to work on the first day because <laughs> like, yeah, your yeah, uncle is working in the industry now. <laughs> I got a job, man. I made it. <laughs> my name and lights. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> yeah, just, it just reminded me of that. Uh, all right. So, um, anybody have anything? Oh, that they, uh, that yeah. Done sure. this week. Let's start with you. Go ahead. We'll start. Sure. Um, well, uh, one thing that uh, not movie related, but uh, TV related and toy related. Pass. Is, uh, well, you, Joe, you'll be into this because um, I was never a big Lego kid. Like we didn't. I didn't have a lot of Legos around the house, so that's kind of foreign to me. Jenna grew up with them, but uh, nothing like. What uh, what we have nowadays, the uh, intricate uh, collections that they have. Uh, like my, so, my Lego NES? L- yes, exactly. Listen to our episode yeah, from yeah. last week where you showed it off and I described it. See? Theater of the Mind. <laughs> See? <laughs> and, uh, it's not so bad, is it, Joe? <laughs> <laughs> but we're in, so we're in the Halloween season. Jen and I did two puzzles uh, over the summer. 
And uh, we're looking for the next challenge. And uh, say, we should do some Legos. Yeah, I know. Two whole, but hey, man, they were the thousand piece ones. So, you know, you can't just oh, knock it out in an like, evening. I took some time out of whittling on the front porch <laughs> to do some puzzles <laughs> with my wife. I mean, that's what it feels like, right? We're, uh, <laughs> yeah. Churned butter away from uh, living like the Amish. Uh, so, with Halloween season coming up, uh, looking for the next challenge and something maybe a little Halloween themed. So, we're going to get a Lego set. In fact, we, we got it today. It is the Stranger oh. Things themed lego set have you oh, seen nice. that one yeah it's got the upside down yes, and the right, yeah exactly it's it's perfect for uh, two people who are building simultaneously because somebody can work on the upside down somebody works on the right side up and uh so it's like your honeymoon piece them together <laughs> <laughs> it's, it, it's the 69 of legos that's right uh, <laughs> i want i want that to be a review on the website i will on my amazon page <laughs> the, the the stranger things lego set it is the 69 of legos <laughs> it's true <laughs> So looking forward to putting that together. But I did see some movies, uh, one old and one new. Uh, I'll let you pick what you'd like to hear. <laughs> something borrowed, something, something blue. blue. <laughs> <laughs> no, go, start with the uh, the old one. You want to hear the old one? Uh, from 1980-something, uh, starring Tom Hanks, uh, The Burbs. You ever seen The Burbs? Directed by yes, Joe Dante? Uh, I, I have seen The Burbs. In fact, I was on a tour of the Universal Studios set Ooh. while they were filming a scene for The Burbs. Shut up. W- which scene? No. Uh, it was when they went up to the, the Klopex house and the bees came out and oh, Tom no Hanks way. and Rick Dukeman came. Yeah, we, we got to stop the car and we got to watch as they did one of the takes as they ran from the porch back, back to the street. So what, that was all shot on a back lot then? Yeah. Oh, yeah, wow. it was all shot on the back lot. Mm-hmm. I assume they just found some quaint little cul-de-sac somewhere. Nope. No, they oh. shot that directly on the Universal Studios lot. Nice. Well, it was the first oh. time me seeing it. And uh, Tess, you ever heard of this movie? Seen You've this never movie? seen that movie? No, man, but you saw Tom Hanks. That's amazing. Yeah, yes, and a young uh, comedic Tom Hanks, which uh, you don't see much of anymore. And a young, well, a kind of young Carrie Fisher. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was Blues Brothers era. Carrie Fisher. Carrie Fisher. Well, it was well after. Blue oh, wait a minute, that's not. Era. Yeah, because it was like eighty five. It was after Return of the Jedi. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Oh, that's right. Because she she was sporting her uh, new short haircut. You can always kind that's of right. tell that she was trying to wash that Star Wars out of her. Hair. <laughs> that's right. Out out there. Like, I'm a serious actress now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Always be princess. Yeah, that Lady was. Man. I'll remember that. I, that was the 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 summer my father took us to California. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, did, did the movie live up uh, to the hype when you you saw the behind the scenes shoot? Because well, I quite enjoyed. Here's it. the thing. I didn't remember what the movie was even called. I didn't oh, even know until I saw the movie in the theater, and then we saw that scene happen, and I was like, we saw that. We saw that happen. And oh, my father my knew. My father remembered, but I had no clue. That's I was so like, funny. what? But wow. that was, and it seemed weird that my dad had taken us to see that, because that just kind of seemed like one of those. Like, my father would take us to go see, like, the, the blockbusters and stuff, mm-hmm. but something like The Burbs was like, really? Okay. Yeah, kind of a dark comedy. Saying? Okay. Yeah. And I sure. and you know you find out later he took us to see it because that was the movie he remembered all that stuff and oh, my sister man. and I did not she was totally oh. lost on you yeah I was just like why are we watching this it's got one of the Goonies is in it that's yeah, exactly. cool but yeah. ooh, <laughs> love the Goonies man I know this is not as good as the Goonies listen to our Goonies episode no it's not but yeah, still... you, said, you said dark comedy really? yeah it is and I mean not by today's standards not like a David Venture dark comedy there's no mur- well but, there's kind of murder. Have you ever? Did you ever see the movie Nothing But Trouble with uh, Dan Aykroyd and Chevy oh, Chase? Yes, yes, I have. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of like that, but not quite. It's a good as, comparison. Like, yeah, not quite as a downer, not quite as plotting as Nothing But Trouble, but it's got that same kind of like dark air to it, where it's like 
your hero just never seems to like the Tom Hanks character never seems to get one up on who, you know, are like the bad guys. Yeah. Even at the very end, it seems like he's still kind of, yeah. he's still kind of two steps behind. But, uh, but no, it's, yeah. I think if anything, the movie would have, would have failed if it wasn't for Tom Hanks. Oh, he is totally carrying this movie. Him and the, uh, the, the side character, the, uh, the Rick neighbor. Dukeman. Yeah, yeah. W- what is that guy from? But he was great. He's a, he's a stand-up comedian, he's and he played one of the uh, one of the guys at, in, in the movie Die Hard. There's the dude in the manhole, and the two FBI agents oh, like yeah. shut it down, lose the power grid, or lose your job. Well, like, that's they the say same guy, like that. huh? Yeah, that's uh, Rick, Rick Dukeman. Interesting. Did he die Rick, young or something? Because I feel like he, he he should still be in movies. Now he died about there you go. six years ago, five six years ago. Oh, he passed away. Interesting. Yeah. All right. Yeah. But uh, you got Bruce Dern in that movie. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think who else was in that film. Uh, Carrie Fisher. People whose Tom names Hanks. you probably wouldn't recognize. Yeah. I'm gonna look it up. Bruce Dern. I like Bruce Dern. He, <laughs> He's great. What they an, another thing they get right is they kind of play the stereotypes of your neighbors, like people that you have lived near. Like you yeah. know these people. There's like the kid that lives down the street, the mm-hmm. Corey Feldman role. But then you've got Bruce Dern, who's kind of like the the former Vietnam vet neighbor. Yep. Who like kind of still references everything in like a military parlance yep um but yeah it's it's great and then yeah tom hanks kind of just plays the everyman the neighbor whose uh dog shits on your lawn that little uh, i think it's adorable there's a great shot uh at the beginning when uh the the premise is tess and the the uninitiated he's um there's neighbors that are new to the neighborhood that have been there for about a month and nobody's ever seen them. Nobody comes, nobody goes. The house looks all dilapidated and kind of scary. Uh, on Clopex. Yeah, the Clopex. Yeah. Um, oh. And uh, finally you see somebody, uh, or, or I guess Tom Hanks and the neighbor get the courage. They're finally going to go knock on the door and introduce themselves, right? Figure out what's going on. Uh-huh. And they yeah. cut away to all of the neighbors. And they get attacked by bees. They do get attacked by bees. There you go. Witnessed by a young <laughs> wow. Joe Cucinati. Uh, <laughs> but they, uh, they they do a, a slow push into the faces of all of the neighbors as they're watching them approach the porch. It's a very tense scene. And the last, you see, you see the neighbor, you see Bruce Stern, you see his wife, you see Corey Feldman, and then uh, you see the neighbor with the dog. He's holding the dog. And the last shot is and a little slow push in on the dog's eyes as well. <laughs> it's a part of the oh, wow. I just fucking lost it. So it's that type of movie, that type of uh, comedy, and uh, nobody ever really is in any danger, but um, uncomfortable. Except for at the end. <laughs> except for, except except for, for uh, the end. exactly very definitely some danger got at a the needle end. to his throat so you enjoyed it i did enjoy it i would recommend that uh oh, if you're, if you're uh, looking yeah. for an old 80s movie that uh maybe still holds up and want to see young tam hanks check out the burbs yeah what, what was the new movie that you watched the new movie was a uh, guy Ritchie movie again still working our way through his uh filmography and getting towards the end here, we're, we've done all of the original Guy Ritchie's, right, that he writes and directs. And so now we're on to the, uh, the other properties that he's direct. We already did our Aladdin episode. Uh-huh. And yeah. uh, this one was uh, The Man from Uncle, which I guess is an old 60s show. Oh, it's with kind Henry of like Cavill. Henry, yeah. yeah, and uh, Army Hammer, Army the Hammer. Lone yeah. Ranger, Army Hammer. Uh, who else is in it? Uh, Alicia Vikander. I like him, man. Army Hammer, he's a good actor, dude. He's great. He's, he's kind of gotten an unfair shake. I think so too. Yeah, it, it, we went into this movie. Jenna was like, "I'm not really, don't really know uh, what to think of this guy." And she knows him as the Winklevoss uh, guy <laughs> from the Social Network, yeah. the twins. But uh, yeah, I think she's an Army Hammer fan now after this. Nice, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, great guy, Richie film. If you like his style, uh, it's um, it's like 
uh, it's like the British Mission Impossible, basically. But cool. uh, yeah. yeah, I remember the show. I remember watching the show on like Nick at Night and stuff. Yeah, I don't know how much besides the names of the characters, if even that, uh, mm-hmm. the, this closely relates to the show. But uh, man, really entertaining, great little spy action thriller, mm-hmm. kind of set in the '60s, pre Cold War. Uh, and, yeah, uh, yeah, really good time, and uh, one of Guy Ritchie's best, I think. Cool. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Tess, you see, besides the library of movies that we watched in preparation of this episode Holy of the podcast, oh, you, have, was... have you seen? Did you see anything new? Um, besides those, I didn't see any new movies. But mm-hmm. you know me, I'm always watching new shows, and I just started all the time. The Unbreakable <laughs> Kimmy Schmidt. Oh. Finally. I don't know if I love that show. I love that show. Yes. I just started it. I'm on like episode seven. Oh, shit. John Hamm is so good in that show, man. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. I like it it a lot so far. I'm like, okay. I I definitely took way longer to get to the show than I should have. Mm-hmm. You know, I saw the first yeah. two episodes of that and just couldn't get into it. Uh, but, of course, I didn't really know that actress. Dude, right? you said the same thing about The Mandalorian, though, so that doesn't mean anything. I, hey, man, and, I, I still stand by it. <laughs> still stand by but that. See, that though, and you know what? I completely understand that, though, Joel. Like, there's some shows that, that you try to watch that it's like, oh, it just yeah. it wasn't it just wasn't what it was supposed Space to be Force. for you. Yeah, and then you – well, that's the thing. <laughs> there, but Space Force is amazing. It's <laughs> so good. Well, you're going to – you're gonna eventually get into it, and then you're gonna be like, "Oh, damn! I took too long to get. I I took a long time to get into the show, but it's actually right. really good. Love to be proven wrong. Oh yeah, that's that's actually what how my uh, my story with Breaking Bad was. Mm-hmm. Like everybody talked about how great it was, how great it was. I never got into it. Never got into it. I found that show. I think like a year after it finally finished. Yeah. Uh, it, it aired its finale. I finally just binged the whole thing, and I was just. I was kicking Whoa. myself on one hand. I was kicking myself because I was like, this is all incredible. But then at the same time, I'm almost happy I waited because I got to watch all of it at once yeah, exactly. instead of waiting. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, I don't think I'll ever so go I, back to uh, weekly television. I, well, I mean, it depends. It depends because there's there's some some streaming services still release stuff on a weekly yeah, basis. That's true. And, and yeah. season four of Fargo is about to come out. And I know I'm going to be catching that on a weekly basis. So, uh, yeah, already I'm not and, sticking I mean, to my guns. And if, if you watch anything on like HBO Max, if you watch the, the Watchmen oh. show on HBO Max. Mm. By the way, did you finish Watchmen, Tess? Oh, yes, I did. <laughs> three hours I later. Think, I, was like, I was like, yeah, the three-hour movie, I finished that, and I honestly started trying to show everybody else that movie as well. No, and not then, the movie, the TV show. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, the TV show as well, yeah. I finished that over the weekend. Uh, yeah. yeah, so I, I know mean, what happens now about, well, I mean, spoilers for anyone else, I guess. Well, right I haven't now. seen it. Oh, well, then. <laughs> I don't know what. Never, never mind. I won't say. <laughs> oh man, is, is, is it a big spoiler? Like, is it going to ruin yeah, it, my enjoyment? It, it might. It could. It, it could. Oh, did sorry. you ever see? Oh, you haven't seen the movie yet, or uh, you have, right? I have seen the movie. Yes, you just didn't see the yeah. Black Crater stuff. That's what you had. No, nope, and I will not. Yeah, no, you don't need to. You definitely yeah, don't yeah. need to. Yeah. <laughs> well, I can shut my ears uh, off while you guys talk, but I guess I'll I'll have I, uh, to edit this I podcast. Saw, so. I saw a couple of movies. If yeah. anybody cares to hear about it, I do. Wait. When is my wife cares? <laughs> when does season what? When does season two of Watchmen come out? Is it's, it's not gonna. It's not. Is that no. it? Yeah, that's all. What? Damon Lindelof said he was, or I think that's who it is. Said he wasn't coming back. And they said HBO said we we don't want to make the show without you involved. And so they decided that's it. That's where the show's going to end. Oh, that sucks. Um, so <laughs> I saw a couple of a couple of new flicks. <laughs> 
Uh, I checked out the uh, the New Mutants, the uh, oh, the new yeah. X Men film. Um, yeah, it's not the worst X Men film, uh, but that's not saying a whole lot. Yes, uh, because it's it's definitely not even it. it's not it's not one of the best either. It's really nice. I would probably put it above two other movies. Like it's better than the X Men Origins Wolverine movie, oh. and it's better than Dark Phoenix. But that's I mean just barely. Better than Dark Phoenix. You liked uh, <laughs> Apocalypse better. I did. Oof. I did, and I think I talked when we talked about that on the podcast. I think you know there was there's an element to Apocalypse that I enjoy. I don't think it's a good movie, but I definitely enjoyed watching it more than the New Mutants. I get what they were going for, trying to make like a, a an X Men horror story, like a, a, oh. a horror movie, and that's cool and everything. And and let me tell you, like. All of the acting, the casting in the movie and the acting is all top-notch. The The shortcomings of the film do not fall on the performances at all. It's the script. It's the pacing. Mm. It's the story of the film. Really, just they, they, they wanted to make it a horror movie, but then it's like they were too scared to commit. And because they didn't just lean into it, it makes the movie suffer. Oh, that's um, too bad. Yeah, and especially when you start hitting those points where it becomes very obvious that it was made by the guy that did like The Fault in Our Stars, where it's like, oh, you're just kind of cannibalizing yourself right now with these moments between characters. Oh, really? Um, yeah. So I saw that. Uh, I would not recommend you watch it. But then I also saw the new Bill and Ted Face the Music. Oh, I've been wanting to see this. Bro, so fun. Yes. It's so fun. I know. I'm hearing good look, reviews. You know, none of the Bill and Ted movies are like award winners. They're not, you know, important films yeah. or anything like that. They're fun. Even, yeah. and I'm kind of an apologist for Bogus Journey, and I know a lot of people hate that movie, yeah. uh, but I, I have a soft spot for it. And even that one I think is fun. And I would put this one between the two, like between Excellent Adventure and Bogus Journey. It sits right there in the middle. Yeah. There's something so sweet and fun about Keanu Reeves in the age of John Wick playing a middle-aged <laughs> buffoon named, you know, Ted. Know. Uh, and just him and Alex Winter still have that chemistry. Even at mi as middle-aged men, they still have that chemistry with each other. They're still super fun. But the heart of this story is so sweet and like how they, they've kind of they kind of retcon and manipulate like the prophecy of like the wild stallions supposedly bringing like peace on earth through their music and stuff. I'm curious to see um, how they address that. Yeah, I recommend. I recommend it. I, I I think it's so fun. If you're if you were a Bill and Ted fan at all when you were mm. a kid, even if you know you're just kind of a passing fan and just happen to have seen the movies, I think in such a dark time right now, there's a. a there's a severe lack of movies like this that just make you feel good and smile. Well, like, I, you know, like I, what's that? I heard that. Uh, yeah, because it, it was released in theaters, but of course who's going to theaters except for drive-ins, yeah. um, but also on video on demand. And over the past weekend, uh, opening weekend, it was just like, it topped all of the VOD rentals on all of the services, Amazon and uh, iTunes. Oh. I think uh, you're not the only one who's clamoring for that type of kind of just low key, feel good entertainment right about now oh yeah and and they bring back if you are familiar with bogey they bring back the william sadler death character oh yeah uh and he also has not missed a step and still has that <laughs> chemistry he had with the guys originally like uh like they they have this whole thing and I, i'm not i'm not spoiling anything where 
Bill and Ted end up running into him again. And at this point, like the Wild Stallions band that Death was a part of at the end of Bogus Journey has broken up. They've Everyone's split up, gone their own ways. So when they catch up with Death and they start rehashing like the fights they were having that made them split up, <laughs> William Sadler just knocks it out of the park. Yeah. So yeah. I, I recommend it wherever you could find it. If you want to go see it at a drive-in, cool. If you want to get it on VOD, get it on VOD. But watch this movie. Can't um, wait. Yeah, it's it's, home, it's it's fun time. It's on my homework list that you gave. Um, <laughs> so this is the editing bay on the wow. Next Wave Radio Network, and we are going to do something a little different. We're going to kind of, even though we just talked for an hour about what we've seen, <laughs> uh, we're going to break tradition here. I know you were probably expecting. Whenever this comes out, you will have either expected the Romeo and Juliet episode or the Runaway episode that we're now going to skip. <laughs> um, but Runaway. we're not going to do that uh, because we thought that it would be more appropriate to uh, to, to sh- pay tribute to the passing of, uh, of Chadwick Boseman, uh, an immense talent, a fantastic actor, and somebody that uh, had become kind of iconic to the to this generation mm-hmm. uh if if not just specifically because of his performances t'challa the black panther a a fan favorite role um uh, from several of the marvel movies made his first uh his first appearance in captain america civil war uh and then got his own film with the black uh and then you know obviously we saw him in infinity war mm-hmm. and then in endgame uh, was supposed to have another film, Black Panther 2, on the way. Uh, and also did some voice work for the upcoming What If oh, for yes. Disney+. Oh, heard that. Yeah, so we have not seen or heard, rather, the last performance of Chadwick Boseman Edible. as the Black Panther. That's still it's still on the way. Um, but no, this was, this was a, a hard and heavy hit. And there were, I think, several factors that came into play because of that. It was the fact that he, he it came out that, he had been fighting colorectal cancer for like four or five years that the man made like nine movies (laughs) and not just like, you know, sitting in a chair, like, you know, boring, like very physical movies Mm -hmm. while battling this, you know, undergoing cancer treatments and, you know, just the personal battles that he'd been experiencing and still putting out quality work. Oh yeah. Um, You never know. Nobody knew at all. Nobody knew. I, I have a feeling that Disney knew, that you know the yeah. the studios because they make you get like checkups and medical stuff. Yeah. Um, and it it we'll talk about this later when we talk about his MCU. But I suspect that some of the things they did in the Marvel movies, they did because they weren't sure what was going to happen. Oh, interesting. Um, so I feel like maybe the studio was preparing for this. Oh God. Uh, but. But no, we today we're, we're not going to talk about like, you know, we're not going to tear movies apart unless, you know, there's some critique to be had. We're not going to tear movies apart. We're not going to recast them. We are just going to talk about the legacy of, of Chadwick Boseman. Yeah. And to do this, we decided to do something a little different instead of just picking one movie and talking about it, which we felt like everybody and their mother is going to be talking about, like the Black Panther. Of course. Um, and then I felt like it wasn't fair for us to just pick like one film and then just talk about that. So I had proposed to the guys, hey, let's each pick a Chadwick Boseman movie that we individually had not seen yet and then come back to the table and kind of use that as like, you know, talk about it, uh, give our impressions on it, and then also talk about the collected works that we had all seen as well. Uh, and so uh, the uh, the breakdown went as follows. Joel had picked 42, the Jackie Robinson mm-hmm. movie. 
Tess had picked The Five Bloods, the new Spike Lee movie that was on Netflix. Yes, sir. And I ended up going with 21 Bridges, the, the action cop drama that came out last year. Mm-hmm. And what's funny about this is as we watch these films, or as I watch the films, I can't speak for you guys, but I, I know to an extent that Tess was kind of with me on this. I picked 21 Bridges, but I had another movie also in mind that I wanted to watch, and that was his Thurgood Marshall movie, Marshall. Uh, which was directed by Reginald Hudlin. Uh, oh, and, Reggie. Yeah. And so, uh, so I had talked to Sarah about it, and she was like, I'd probably, between the two movies, I'd prefer to watch the, the, the Marshall movie. And so what I decided was like, okay, I'll watch 21 Bridges, and then Sarah and I will watch Marshall, and then we can kind of talk about it with each other. So I did that, watched Marshall. Then I was like, well, I'm going to watch his James Brown movie again and kind of get re- <laughs> reacclimated with that. Yeah. And so I watched, the, I watched Get On Up. You know, and then you know it was like earlier today. I was like, I, I came across another movie that he did called uh, "Message from the King." Yep. I was like, you know, what? I'm going to watch this movie too. So I've in in most weeks where it's a chore just for me to watch the one movie we've agreed to talk about, I've watched like four of this guy's films. That's crazy, and yeah. and I I think the reason why I'm like I was motivated to watch so many of them is because there wasn't a dud performance right? in the lot exactly like every yeah. every one of them was really good and i'm not going to bore you guys with the details of the movies i didn't pick and just watched on my own i mean i'll kind of talk about them a little bit but i think uh, tess might agree with me and we had had a little talk at the uh, at the office about this where tess had revealed that he wasn't always he wasn't a big fan of chadwick boseman as the black panther hmm. that he loved the movie but chadwick boseman wasn't yeah. exactly what he thought was the best and I told him I was like when you see his other performances I think that might it might it change your mind on uh, how you view his performance as the Black Panther um yeah it says less and, about and, him and, and more about just kind of that particular role um because yeah. he's surrounded by a bunch of interesting characters in Black Panther from Letitia Wright yes. to yes. uh, uh what's his name Michael B Jordan Michael, Michael B. Jordan, B. Jordan. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, some of the second players and he's just the ever steadfast good guy and isn't really that he, his character is interesting until he's surrounded by all those other characters and then he's kind of like oh you're just one, oh. this movie's called Black Panther but it's really about this this community right like Honda well, what the, exactly. the, the film also suffers from and this I think is it kind of affects his performance the film suffers from the fact that it's every Marvel origin movie yes. where it's you know mm. our hero and we come we meet up with him and he happens to like you know he's got all this tech and at some point I told Tess I'm like at some point in these Marvel movies you've always got a moment where like the hero walks past like the prototype suit and is like well no that's just the prototype it's got you know it had this problem and so that's why we've moved on and we're using this other thing and without fail at some point in the movie our hero is going to have to use that suit and the detriment of that suit is going to end up being the thing that puts it over the yeah it saves them from the new tech and this movie was no different the black panther movie at its heart is a very typical action marvel movie it's a very typical Mm -hmm. origin story the thing is i mean it's beautiful to look at the visuals in that movie are just insane yeah the film black panther is not as good as the impact that it had culturally absolutely and yeah and i and i I i think that there there's nothing wrong with that that doesn't mean that it's you know less of a film it's just that what it means to people, and I understand why. 
uh, I understand that like for generations right. you've had to watch like Christopher Reeve as Superman, right. Michael Keaton as Batman. Like it's yeah. been just a legacy of white superheroes like, on screen and yeah, a black sidekick. Yeah. You know, even Iron Man was like Tony okay. Stark, and then there's Rhodey. That's right. You know, like yeah. yeah. I mean, we had the black, we had the that black uh, Green Lantern. You know, <laughs> yeah. the one comic. <laughs> the films. Yeah. I'm talking in the films. Yeah, what you exactly. had to look at <laughs> up until this point, you had Blade. Yeah, you're yeah, right. and right. exactly, and oh, and, and blank man. <laughs> hey, hey, blank man. Hey, don't you talk about blank man like that? Put some respect on his name. <laughs> blank so, man, I remember but, that. But all that to to say that you know Chadwick Boseman, obviously, you know, like his playing that character, playing this iconic character in a film that's so important to this, yep. to this generation, uh, and and to mean so much to this culture and community. Is why him playing and seeing the way he plays this role and what he brings, the passion he brings to all the roles that he plays. Oh, absolutely! Uh, it's mm-hmm. it's so. I think this is definitely it's an important entry into his legacy. Um, yeah. But I would I would agree it's not his best performance. It's not just based on the five movies that I've watched this week. It is. <laughs> it's it's not his best performance of those five. No, you're um, right. And and looking at his IMDb page, of course, the top three are all Marvel movies: the Black Panther, Captain America: Civil War, and uh, Infinity War. Those did the best. It's not that. until you get yeah, and then and then it's followed by Forty Two and The Five Bloods and Twenty One Bridges. Oh, look, there his yeah. numbers trilogy, which we're we're kind of talking yeah. about mm-hmm. uh, the numbers. But but those now that I've kind of seen a little more of his his uh, his work. He he did a really good job of of kind of choosing important films. I think we can say yeah, that about yes. I I don't know about Twenty One Bridges, but all of the the choices you can tell that he chose them intentionally because he it, it resonated with him. It, it was something that he wanted to say, uh, yeah. uh, something that he wanted to be involved in. And he t- uh-huh. like you said, yeah, he's not he's never phoning any of these roles in. Every one of them no. is giving one hundred percent, and and knowing what he was going through at the time of filming. Makes him all the more uh, superhuman. Well, you could tell he puts the work in uh, yeah, in oh, yeah. learning about the people he's playing, especially especially when he plays the historical figures mm-hmm. like Jackie Robinson, Jackie Robinson. Thurgood Marshall, uh, Jackie Brown, or, or not J- James Brown, <laughs> not Jackie Brown, <laughs> Jackie Brown. Uh, mashup. You could you see he puts the work in on it, like oh, yeah. it, it's insane. So I want to go through just really quick and kind of talk about the movies that we chose, and I thought maybe we would do it in chronological order. Oh, so we would. Let's talk about 42 first, and then I'll talk about 21 Bridges a little bit, and then we'll let Tess talk about Five Bloods, and then you know we'll kind of come back and talk about like the stuff that we've all been familiar with. Nice. I like it. Okay. All right. Well, then, uh, yeah, 42 came out in uh, 2013, PG-13. Uh, had a budget of $40 million, raked in $97 million, so uh, over double, and uh, apparently... At the time, uh, it, it so it earned uh, twenty seven point three million on its opening weekend, which was the best debut ever for a baseball themed movie. Which seems crazy considering how many baseball themed movies we've had. Uh, but I mean, this one obviously a little more historical importance than just you know, than Major League uh, or Bull Durham. But uh, yeah, uh, story of uh, Jackie Robinson, who was the first uh, black uh, Major League baseball player uh, allowed into the league. I guess uh, is the word. Yep. That kind of comes to mind after having seen this film. It's the, the yeah. film itself. I uh, think it has like an eighty percent on uh, Rotten Tomatoes with critics and eighty five with audiences, and that's pretty fair. Mm-hmm. It's about a B plus, maybe A minus. 
Uh, but that, that doesn't say anything about his work or the quality of the tale overall. It's just, yeah. it's kind of a paint-by-numbers biopic. Uh, but there's so much... The, the movie is bigger than just this one person. Uh, uh-huh. And I think they do a really good job. I was reading a review, and uh, somebody was complaining that they didn't get into more of his history, more of him as a person, uh, more of his uh-huh. struggles uh, outside of being acclimated into this whites-only baseball league. Uh, uh-huh. But I think that's actually its strength. It was focused. It didn't get – there's a little bit at the beginning you know, where he gets married and then he has a baby, but then you never really see the baby again except the wife's rolling it down a sidewalk. So they're, they're there tangentially. She's kind in, of in there. Stroller. In a stroller. In She's a st- not just physically rolling a baby down the sidewalk. <laughs> oh, well, I saw the director's <laughs> cut, Joe. You must have seen a different <laughs> edit than I did. Whoa. No, no. Oh, there's child abuse in this film. Absolutely. No, just kidding. Uh, you're right. Uh, times are different, man. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was the 40s. Uh, but yes, unfortunately, times were different. Um, so while I say it's kind of paint by numbers, it's only because we've seen these stories before, unfortunately, even though they're all true. And I, I think yeah. they're important because we need to be reminded, especially in today's times, that uh, as as bad as things now, are now they used to be much much worse and we were able to as as one nation kind of overcome this uh and push forward we still have work to do but yeah people like jackie robinson who uh you know there's a great line in there harrison ford plays uh what's his name ricky is the the manager not the the manager the owner of uh, the the brooklyn dodgers at the time and basically the, the movie starts off he's just decided he's at his old age he's 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 in his twilight years and he wants to be the man who uh, – he wants the Dodgers to be the team that has the first Negro – he uses that word all the time uh, – yeah. baseball player in Major League Baseball. Uh, and we find out later in the film it's because he had a chance when he was younger to do the right thing and he didn't. And so now he's yeah. trying to make up for that mistake and make an, a, an impact. And, and he did. But he has a scene when, when he's talking Jaggy Robinson into coming on. And, and Jackie Robinson, you know, he's, he's describing all the hardships he's going to go through and all the shit that he's going to do, but, but he can't act out. He's got to keep it all bottled in. And, and, yeah. and uh, Chadwick Boseman, as Jackie Robinson says, well, you want somebody who d- doesn't have the guts to fight back? And he says, no, I want somebody who has the guts not to fight back. And that's basically yeah. the theme of the movie. He has to prove to the world and these white fucking racists that mm-hmm. – uh, he's not going to play into the stereotype that they've put play on him. And he's going to what they expect. Exactly. Yeah. He's not going to. He's going to be a gentleman. He's going to kick ass at playing baseball, but he's yeah. uh, not going to fight back when he's taunted. And God, it is difficult to watch. Alan Tudyk has a role in this as a oh, super gosh. fucking racist. Yeah. Uh, ben Chapman yeah, the, was the guy's name. He was the manager for another team. For, yeah, uh, the Pittsburgh Pirates, I think, is what it was, which gets yeah. shit on all throughout the movie, which is kind of funny in its own right. But just the thing, he's just. I, I, I can't repeat any of the lines he says, but no, no you can't. He, he does a great job because no, it's here's can't. here's lovable. <laughs> have you seen this movie, uh, Tess? No, I haven't, but oh, I man. can imagine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's hard to imagine though. Alan Tudyk. Everybody loves Alan Tudyk. Lovable Alan Tudyk, right? Wash from yeah. Firefly, and you just loathe this person within like the first thirty seconds. Um, oh, for sure. Is a credit to him, but j- just a hard watch from that point of view. But. I think it should be like required viewing. Man, one of the most powerful moments in that film is when Jackie's just about had it and he goes back into the tunnel. And it's just, I mean, I don't even think there's any dialogue. I think it's just, it's just Chadwick Boseman in a tunnel and he just 
this primal guttural scream. Yeah. He just unloads it, just vents it all out. And yeah, he snaps the bat into just slamming it. He just lets it and then composes himself mm-hmm. and walks back out onto the field. Yeah. I'm like, oh my, just. It was a pitch perfect performance because uh, he you, it was very easy to go one way or the other. You don't want to seem like you know the oh he's just the uppity colored boy causing problems and that's why he has a reputation. No, he wasn't. But on the yeah. other hand, he was he was no Uncle Tom. You know he he, he, was, he was no pushover. Yeah, no, he was no pushover. No, uh, and so he it's just the nuance in his performance and. He's very understated, and it's another film where there's a lot of interesting side characters, and, and they all revolve around him, and would have been very easy to to not see him as kind of the main character, but he is able, he has the gravity to to pull all these pieces together, and I tell you, man, Jen and I were kind of watching the end of it, and we both just lost it. Like we, It's been a very yeah. emotional week. Uh, I yes. think the reason we're doing this episode, I think we've all been hit hard for it, uh, yeah. not only because of his age and what he was going through, but just in his young career, the the cultural importance, like you said, that that his his yeah. legacy is going to have uh, for generations uh, can be understated. So yeah, forty two highly recommend. Um, mm-hmm. You don't have to care about baseball to like it, uh, which is what I was afraid of because I'm you just not have to care about humanity. Exactly. <laughs> yes. Have, yeah. yeah uh, I think it's funny that something that people keep bringing up is how young he was. They're yeah. like, oh, he was so young. Our age. He's our age. He's forty three. He's, He's two months age. older than me, almost to the day. Yeah. He's middle aged, but at the same time, That's it's young, like man. no, he was he was young, you know. And, and and I think the reason why people look at him is he's so young, yeah. is because we all know we were just scratching the surface of what this guy had. Like right. his star was just starting to really rise, yeah. and you know, yeah, he got that jump start with the MCU, but you could tell like there was good work on the way. Like this guy was gonna, he was gonna change some stuff, and. I think yeah. 21 Bridges is a really good example of that. That This came out last year, um, directed by Brian Kirk. And I don't expect that you've heard about this guy, but mm-hmm. he's directed several episodes of Dexter, Luther, uh, Game of Thrones, Boardwalk Empire, and Penny Dreadful. A lot of crime drama in his, in his resume. Uh-huh. Um, and so kind of tackling something like this uh, right up his alley. The budget for this movie, and I noticed that with all of the movies that I watched, like the budget and the box office were close if not tragic like mm. the budget for this one was 33 million the box office was 49.9 million mm. um and and the thing is like it was produced by the russo brothers it was also produced by chadwick boseman wow this was a this was a project that was close to chadwick boseman's heart like he he wanted to make this movie he had a hand in casting everybody he he cast this movie with actors that he'd been wanting to work with for a while oh. Uh, so you've got J.K. Simmons in this yes. movie, Sienna Miller, who you might remember from American Sniper, oh, yeah. uh, Taylor Kitsch is in this movie, another actor that I feel like has gotten a raw deal because I think he's way more talented than what his box office success has has dictated. Um, Keith David from They Live oh. is, is in this movie. Mm-hmm. It's it's um, so it's a, a, a crime drama about like these two guys uh played by Taylor Kitsch and Stefan James. There are a couple of thieves that bust into this restaurant to steal uh like what they thought was going to be just 30 keys of coke. They find out there's 500 keys of coke. Oh. And the cops immediately descend on them almost too quickly. Uh-huh. And so you find out like there's this whole thing going on 
where the cops have actually been kind of running these drugs uh, and, and profiting off of it. And so now like they're trying to hunt these guys down because these guys have kind of figured out that the cops are involved or whatever. And right. so the whole time Chadwick Boseman's playing a detective who thinks he's just trying to track down a couple of thieves who killed cops on their way out. And so he's trying to investigate. He's like, man, these guys are running. And like every time they have a chance to abduct one of these guys alive, the cops just open fire. And I think it's very relevant uh, to right now, yeah. to what we're going through right now, even just on that base level, that like the cops in this movie are just shoot first, ask questions later, even though you find out later that there's there's a very real and like uh, a, a very solid reason, not solid as in like justified, but a very solid reason as to why they're trying to do that. Uh, it, it's it, Yeah, it's not something that's quite so um, abstract as like, you know the the legacy of racism in the country uh it's yeah like you said it's 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 something that's a little more defined um but chadwick boseman playing this cop he's the son of a cop who died in the line of duty and that's one thing that i've got to kind of criticize the movie about it gives you all of the backstory and exposition on these characters in the form of a funeral eulogy at the very beginning of the movie we're like the the backstory Yeah, the priest that's giving the eulogy is like, he leaves behind one son who wants to be a police officer. And like like information that someone would not put into a eulogy. And I was just like, wow. Uh, And I'm surprised they did it because it's not like this movie didn't have time to kind of flesh things out. This movie's only like an hour and a half long. Yeah. Uh and and if anything like maybe that's something that works for it but it definitely would have had time to flesh things out. It's a much smarter Did you ever see the Bruce Willis movie 16 Blocks? No, where he I plays think- like he's kind of a he's not really a crooked cop, but he's not a very honest cop and he has to take a uh, uh, most deaf who's this like witness. Yeah. He has to get the witness to court by a certain time and the fellow dirty cops try to keep him from doing that and he decides like in his career he's finally going to do one good thing and that's going to get the the witness to court and so it's not a bad movie i always look at it as like it's die hard if john mcclain we get to see john mcclain in his 60s um which now we have but yes but this is a much smarter version of that movie uh where Chadwick Boseman plays this detective and he ends up shutting down the island. That's where the title comes from, 21 Bridges. Uh, There's 21 bridges into Manhattan. And so he closes all those bridges down. He closes off the tunnels. He closes the way out everywhere and then floods the island with cops to try to like smoke these guys out of hiding. mm. Uh, And it's smart. It's a smart detective story. Uh, Mm. It's a good character for, for Chadwick Boseman. In fact, it's the kind of movie like I I could see this as being Chadwick Boseman's Die Hard. He could have played this character franchise, in another huh? story, like a franchise, like right. another case, another cop. Um, it's it's tough in this day and age to sympathize because they really try to get you in the beginning of this movie. Like, man, look at them. They killed these cops in cold blood as they try to make their way out of the bar. And, yeah. and it's like. Even with that, even without having all the knowledge yet for the rest of the movie, it is tough in this day and age to be like really sympathetic because you know, and I think it's because you know in the back of your head, oh, there's going to be a twist. Yeah, what um, they do, what the cops do. It's <laughs> horrible. That's right, because you watched this, right, Tess? Oh, yeah, I watched as well. It was in the package you gave me. but And I, and I liked it because it was good to see him in a role that like it wasn't a famous person before. So seeing him yeah. in a 
completely different role. Like, I see what you mean on he could have had a, a couple of other different movies from this, like a, a, yeah. this a series for him. We could have seen a series of movies with Officer Andre Davis. Um, yeah. One of the things that got me about the movie is that you cannot put J.K. Simmons into a movie like this and not have me guess right at the beginning, like, oh, okay, so he's going to be the bad guy. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's J.K. Simmons. Because the way they introduce him, Joel, is like like he's just kind of like a captain for another precinct that we just see once or twice. Oh, and I'm like, come on, you can't do so They always do that whenever they cast the big-name guy, and you're like, oh, he has a pretty yeah. small role for just being such a big guy. Like an episode of Law & Order when yes. they have like the guest star, and it's like, well, obviously he's the bad guy. Like, yes. And that's this movie does suffer from that, but at, ultimately at the end, like this is a good movie. Yeah, it's yeah. strong. Good. It's mm-hmm. a performance. There's a, there's a a scene at the end that I would compare to the diner scene in Heat between Pacino and De Niro, Ooh. and it's Chadwick Boseman and J.K. Simmons having a final like uh like one on one in J.K. Simmons' kitchen, oh, where you know like, yeah. like Chadwick Boseman has kind of pieced everything together. And just the delivery, the passion, like yeah. what what they're both putting forth. And like you could like you're watching two great actors like hold their own with each other and give each other so much to play back and forth with. Uh I, I recommend it. I recommend it highly. I mean, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna spoil it right. Like of the five all the five movies that I watched, I there's not one of them that I wouldn't recommend. Um wow. Uh, this is this is a great performance for Chadwick Boseman. Still, not what I consider his best, but it was a really good one. What do you consider uh, his best, or is that spoiling something? I think after watching the five that I watched, I think it would be a toss-up between... I really liked Message from the King, but I feel like he was mm. kind of more of a cross between what we saw in 21 Bridges and what we see in The Black Panther. Like oh, it's kind of it's kind of a little bit well because he plays a South African. No, that's what's no, and that's what's so funny because I just started watching a message from the king like before this. I'm only about like ten minutes in, and Reggie yeah. was telling me about this. He was like, "Yeah, I watched it again, man." But it's basically just like Black Panther all over. And like <laughs> yeah, it's a little bit it, ten minutes into it, I'm like, I exactly why he said this. I was like, he's such an yeah. asshole. For yeah. like, oh my god. I um I think that his best performance. Was James Brown? Oh yeah! In, uh, after watching, really? watching Get On Up, Get after on watching up. Get On Up, his performance as James Brown, the mannerisms, the dan- like what he does physically in that movie to 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 embody James Brown, it in several points of James Brown's life, like just it it, oh, it yeah. doesn't at no point does he ever seem like young Chadwick Boseman trying to act like an older James Brown, like he was James Brown. I, I bought it hook, line, and sinker. He did the hardest job for an actor to do in a biographical film, and that's make me know, like make me believe he is that person and not just an actor playing that person. Uh, whereas, like, I compare it to Tom Hanks in Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. Uh, I watch trailers for that movie, yeah. and it's like he looks nothing like Mister Rogers. You know, he <laughs> and and you know even his mannerisms that I see in the trailer, it's like. Okay, he's doing his impression mm-hmm. of Fred Rogers, but he's not embodying Fred Rogers. Whereas Chadwick Boseman was lost. That line between Chadwick Boseman and James Brown was blurred completely. And I, th- I had the same feeling watching the Forty Two, the Jackie Robinson story, uh, because like I, I haven't really seen him in a lot of interviews 
I don't know what his real accent is, what his real voice is. He's doing uh, very disparate uh, accents. and uh, He's kind of like just kind of a, a Midwestern, he's a California kid. Yeah, that's what I thought. But you wouldn't know that from watching all these different movies. So he's doing something from different in all anything. <laughs> From watching I anything. Think like I think his closest accent was probably uh, probably in 21 Bridges. That was probably, yeah. But then that was kind of more New York. He was doing a more New York accent in that movie. Yeah. Yeah. He was... You know, the, the dude was, I mean, he went to Howard University and then he got like, he was part of a, a group of theater kids that got to uh, enjoy a theater education in England. Oh, that's right. On Denzel Washington's dime. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. That's why um, I think it was the SAG Awards or the Golden Globes when they awarded Denzel Washington the Lifetime Achievement Award. Chadwick Boseman was the one that presented it. To really? Him. Wow. And he had oh, said in his speech, he was like, without Denzel Washington, there'd be no Black Panther. And it was he was wow. referencing that. That is so, amazing. So yeah, uh, what what did you think about you? You had the five bloods. What did you think? Yeah, all right, old well, movie. Yeah, well, so I had the five bloods, which came out this year, twenty twenty, on Netflix, of course. And apparently, the budget for that was between thirty five and forty five million, and it was directed by none other than Spike Lee. Hell yeah, who was in many different Spike Lee joints, such as She's Got to Have It. The Inside Man with Denzel Washington, also the Malcolm X story, Black Klansman, and Do the Right Thing. So, you know, I mean, everybody knows uh, Spike Lee. Oh, yeah. Of course, also, he is a longtime <laughs> The Michael fan. Jordan Nike commercials? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's got to be the shoes. It's got to be the shoes. But, yeah, so The Five Bloods came out this year. Um, I don't know how long ago, actually, it came out. But it wasn't. It uh it wasn't too long ago, and it's the story of these four um these four Vietnam vets who are going back to Vietnam to uh return. And they're they're looking to find the remains of their fifth uh, member, their squad leader, who's played by uh, Chadwick Boseman. And uh, his name in there, his name in the movie is actually Storm and Norman. So <laughs> yeah, and so it's kind of it's it's a it's. A different Vietnam movie is what a lot of people were saying about it, and I could, I guess, I kind of, I can see exactly why because this is, it's going in the story of how um, African Americans were treated in the in the Vietnam War about how a lot of them, well, they, um, they they were about thirty percent of the actual active troops there in Vietnam, and they still didn't have a lot of the rights that they were over there fighting for, so mm-hmm. like. So you see, you see a lot of you see in the beginning they open up with like a lot of the different like cutscenes from um, what was actually being shown on the uh, news here about the Vietnam War and everything, and then you actually get like some some uh, interviews. You hear some excerpts from interviews of like Vietnam soldiers talking about what was going on, and you even have an, uh, hear an excerpt from uh, Bobby Seale, uh, one of the Black Panthers, talking about how it's how it's messed up, how they're over there fighting and. Kill and uh, losing their lives, and then they, or and then or losing their limbs, and then coming back, and they can't even get the same rights that they they went over there to get. So it's a it's a really really powerful and, and like uh, a good movie, and it's kind of it's crazy though because I mean Chadwick Boseman is the he's the guy that they keep talking about and alluding to, but he's not really in this movie a lot no, though because yeah. yeah. really more about the other it's it's about the other four. Because mm-hmm. he's this thing, he's dead in this movie, so that already uh, is why he's not in it. But there's a lot of flashbacks to him, and 
and like how he basically taught all of them how to be men while they were in the army and how he like instilled in them a lot of um a lot of things that they all still held to that day and it just kind of goes over like the issues that they all now individually have that they've been living with since they've come back from the war and uh one, like one of the guys he, his son actually goes with him cuz while they're cuz cuz the big thing well, one of the big things in like the story is that while they were there they uh they ended up finding like a bunch of gold that was that that the uh us had actually been paying to um like soldiers and stuff over there in vietnam and so Mm -hmm. their their plan was the so uh norman uh chavik bozeman his plan was let's bury this and we're going to come and get it later and we're going to just split this and, and split it amongst ourselves and our community because you know we've been fucked over back overseas and everything so this is going to be our way of basically like uh, getting back and like making things right this this is going to be our reparations but that that they ended up they didn't get it at the time that they wanted to because there was like a big mudslide or whatever so they ended up leaving and well norman died in during the war while that was happening so they ended up going back home and they said they were going to come back and that's why the whole story is about them coming back to get norman's remains but to also get this gold and mm-hmm. they're going to split it like between themselves but as you know in like every movie where there's like a big like pot of money there's always going to be yeah. other people who try to come along oh, yeah. and they have to try to split it like a million different ways so like uh-huh. one of the first people that comes on uh comes along is like uh one of the guys he has this he has this lady that he used to that he used to like hook up with back when they were there and it turns out that like she actually had a daughter she just never told him about so he finds out that he has he has a daughter and but she's actually gonna be the she's actually gonna be the woman who is gonna hook them up with somebody who's gonna help them get the gold out of vietnam because they can't tell anybody about this gold because if anybody finds out about this they're gonna go to jail because this isn't their money even if they don't get killed this isn't their money they're not supposed to have it right yeah it's of the government so who played the, who plays the rest of the uh, the rest of the squad? Oh, I can oh, okay. tell you right now. I got it pulled up on the IMDb. Yeah. We got Delroy Lindo, Jonathan Love Majors, uh, Clark mm-hmm. Peters, Norm Lewis, and uh, yep. Isaiah Whitlock Jr. I, and I, I I can't say I recognize any of those other names besides Delroy Lindo. Oh God. Oh what? <laughs> Isaiah. Well, Isaiah uh, Whitlock. Uh, he yeah he was in um he he was in The Wire. Uh, no, not uh, The Wire. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, he was the guy saying shit all the time. Oh. <laughs> shit with the guilty in them. But, oh, and he's hilarious in this movie as yeah. well. Yeah, because like after after because the one guy um who plays the guy Otis, he um Clark Peters, yeah, he um he's like the one who split he's the one who uh had the daughter and he's splitting the money up between everybody basically he sees. He's cutting everybody in. So at one point in time, uh uh, the guy, he's even like, man, damn, just just put the shit up on Craigslist. Like you're just giving it to everybody. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, but they they go through that whole thing where like, um, there's this one, the one of them, uh, he he's had he has, they all have PTSD to a degree, but one of them has it way more oh, yeah. than like everybody else, right? And like it's it's him whose son comes along with him. He tells everybody that he basically wants to cut because he knows about it, and he's gonna tell he's gonna tell the uh, the police if they don't let they don't cut him in. So that's why they let him go with him. And he's honestly very hilarious. He's like the comedic relief kind. Of, well, they're all funny, but he's like the comedic relief in this. Is this a comedy? And there's funny stuff that happens in it, but at the end of the day, it's still a Vietnam yeah, uh, war like movie. Yeah. 
So well, I mean, if you if you look at a lot of Spike Lee's latest that's films, true. like he's he's definitely done a lot more, a, a way better job, and like as he's matured as a director, yeah. in juggling like the levity with the very yeah. serious subject matter. I think Black Klansman got a lot of uh, Black, accolades oh. for that. I still got yeah. Klansman as well. Yeah, I can't I heard... believe you haven't seen that. I can't believe I haven't either. I'm, you know, yeah, that's I, some good of, stuff. I haven't seen a lot of good stuff apparently, man. But, <laughs> But yeah, no, they, like he de- he did a very good job of me of like having some comedic, like there were breaths there were breaths in between like the very serious stuff that was going on. So there'd be mm-hmm. like there'd be a serious scene like I mean it's the Vietnam War, so you'd be seeing people get killed, right? And then then there'd be just a scene of them like cutting up. You know, it's, at the end of the day, they're old guys who survived all this, so it's like them just together and being and being back together like they're they're all talking shit to each other like oh man you still your knees still messed up like this and you doing like <laughs> it's just funny to see them like cutting up and then also like getting on to his son about stuff but then mm-hmm. like you see the then it's, it just cuts to like something serious like the guy with ptsd him having a very like very very high prejudice against vietnamese people oh really because, yeah interesting yeah because of, yeah because he was there killing multiple multiple right. people and yeah. That not Ooh. only and not only were they racist to him back home, they were racist to him there in Vietnam. So yeah. he's dealt with that. And you also, I mean, spoiler along with this, like you learn that like he he was Storm and Norman's like best friend. Like out of all of them, he was the one that was the closest to him. So he he's feeling one. this the hardest. Yeah, and he he was the one who was with him when he died. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. And he's so it's like he feels like he let him down and he's the reason why he kind of died. So he's always taken that with him. And to the point where he when he even went back from the war, he wasn't a father to his son that's there. So like he's dealing with that in the movie. Another guy's dealing with his daughter. Well, finally, his daughter, then like this other guy who's like really rich, who like everybody's like, oh, hey, why are you even here? You don't need the gold or whatever. He's like, man, I lost all my money is what they end up finding out about it. Uh... Like he lost all his shit. So like that's why he's there kind of trying to do it. And you just see all these different stories, and it's like crazy shit happens because it's Vietnam. So the, you know how there's landmines everywhere, oh, yeah. like mm-hmm. everywhere. I hey, how long stuff. is this movie? How long is this? It's like two and a half hours. Yeah. yeah, I mean you can't you can't have a two and a half hour movie and not break up the the moments with a little bit of levity. Yeah, that's oh, yeah. otherwise otherwise you have the Irishman. Yeah, <laughs> even <laughs> even Schindler's hours. List was funny in parts. Yeah, yeah, just like but, four hours of just dour, like just horrible times. Oh yeah, but oh yeah, I I I I definitely recommend it, and uh, I I definitely recommend it. It's a good, it's a really good movie. Like, and I mean, just to see a different, just to see a different Vietnam War movie, yeah. than like we're used to that people have like given us year after year. Oh yeah. Years. yeah, yeah. Well, let me ask you this, because I, I would ask Joel, but he's only seen. Chadwick Boseman played two characters now. <laughs> Pretty much. Uh, but of of the movies now that TV. you've seen, what do you think uh what do you think is his best performance? Okay. Well, see, I mean, Joel, don't feel too bad. Like up, up until this, <laughs> I do. I had, up until this, I had literally only seen him in The Black Panther, and that's what I was telling. Guys. Oh so yeah, I think I think that was part of it for for all of it. Like I've seen 42 in the theater. But mm. I think for the most part, like you've seen it. my my uh, my only real okay, well, I did see Get On Up like a long time ago, but um, but like my only real exposure to him had been Black Panther in the in recent years. So this was something that I felt like the actor and the man, the artist, deserved. 
instead of us like finding a film and just like picking it apart, like, yeah. you know, let's, let's kind of, let's discover a little bit more of his work, discover more of what he did uh, and, and understand the legacy that he's leaving yeah. behind. Cause I, I don't know about you guys. Like there's when, when I saw the news that he had passed away, like there was something that, that in me clicked and was like, this is important. Like this is a big deal, yeah. yes. but I feel like maybe I didn't understand why I felt that way. Yeah. But I just knew, like, this is this is horrible. This is wrong. That this is this is the way things went down. This is someone who probably needs to be understood a little bit more. Like, I didn't, I I know I didn't understand or or know his work as much as I should, and so I'm really glad that I did this. Yeah. Um. But and and I'm glad that you did it too, Tess. Where you, what I mean in in specifically by saying that is like consuming more than we had to for the podcast mm -hmm. yeah. like watching more and more and so that's why i'm interested in what of what you've seen what do you think was his best performance well okay so so going into only knowing about black panther i had known that he had done a bunch of very prominent like black roles mm -hmm. up until that point like i had known that but like i said i'd only seen black panther but Seeing you make you seen you watch all these different ones, maybe watch maybe watch now like four or five now. I've now seen I saw Get On Up Now. I saw well the Five Bloods was the first one I saw. And um Marshall, I saw oh, yeah. Twenty One Bridges. Yeah, and I am gonna finish um Message from the King. Message from the King. And now what's so, that one? I'm not familiar with that one. Message well, from the King is about a uh, a a guy from. Oh, go ahead, Tess. You go well, ahead and tell him about from it. What I've seen so far, basically, it sounds like it sounds like African um taken taken. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's basically what I can tell you. So it's like it's like because he's coming from the Congo. He's coming from South Africa or something uh, like that. I think yeah. he's coming. And, he comes from South Africa. Yeah, and he's come. He um, where is he? Is he in California? Is he in? Yes, yeah, so uh, he's in California, Los Angeles. He's yeah. in California. Okay, well, yep. okay, yeah. So he's in California, and he's looking for his sister Bianca, who's now like uh, mysteriously, who she's mysteriously like vanished. But she called him and left a phone call. Was like, "Hey, yeah. brother, like brother, come and get me." And then her phone just got shut off. It goes so, into some dark. It goes to some dark territory. Oh yeah, yeah. It, so it, now, gets, it gets super dark. And see, that's the thing. It hasn't started getting so dark yet for me. So all I've seen is that he's now in Los Angeles. He met the next door neighbor named Trish, who he's who's clearly going to be his love interest, and he's going to end up fighting like her boyfriend. That guy's a dick, from what I yep. can see. So oh yeah, no, yeah Luke yeah, Evans, yeah. and everything uh -huh. he probably might have something to do with the bullshit. Yeah, Luke well, Evans is and the so and so right, <laughs> and then he and so from there he went to so from. He's now figured out that she may have this one sketchy looking place where all these guys are outside. And I shit you not, Joel, it looks like the scene in Taken where he first gets there and like uh -huh. all those guys are in that one apartment and like he goes in there and beats <laughs> the shit at yes. all. It looks like that. Yeah. That's, that's what the scene basically, but he doesn't uh -huh. beat those guys' asses. He just goes up and talks to them. And that's as far as I am into yeah. that. Oh, you're Joel, you're so, like, oh, you there. You're not. No, no, no. I'm, I don't want to ruin the movie oh, okay. because you're you're getting to the point yeah. where things are about to turn. Uh, okay, okay. Just know, just know, like it is. An, it's intense. It's suspenseful. Okay. Uh, it is really good. It's another good role for uh, for Chadwick Boseman. Um, it, it, it's one of the movies that you don't hear about it as much. 
Like I heard, you know, yeah. obviously 21 Bridges produced by the Russo brothers, mm-hmm. produced by Chadwick Boseman. You know, you're going to hear about that movie. There were plenty of ads for it. You're going to hear about Black Panther. You're going to hear about Thurgood Marshall and James Brown and, you know, Jackie Robinson. Wow. This one kind of flew under the radar. Well, it looks like it was a Netflix uh, film, too. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's oh, it's okay. it's really good. But it, it like I said, it pretty soon, Tess, not long after where you are, it really dips into some dark stuff. Ooh, I'm intrigued. Uh, yeah, I want to see African taken. So my favorite role that I that I saw him in, out of the ones I've seen, honestly, may have to be Marshall. Actually, yeah. oh, I really yeah. I really enjoy the Thurgood Marshall movie. It Did was, you? It was really good. It was comedic. It, 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 it was serious of what was happening, but it was very it was comedic. Um, in a lot at a lot of times and it also just made me instantly think of to kill a mockingbird oh, oh yeah. yeah no the, the story the story almost completely parrots yeah. to kill a mockingbird it's basically live my issue my issue with marshall i i liked it a lot uh and i thought his performance as thurgood marshall was really good uh yeah. but this is something sarah and i sarah and i kind of had a little breakdown on it yesterday it was it wasn't so much Chadwick Boseman's movie, though, as it was Josh Gad's. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and that would seem really weird, like that you make a movie about Thurgood Marshall. It's called Marshall, and he's not even trying the case. Huh. No, at all. It was, it was like, instead, it was like legal hitch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Totally. yeah. But it was like, it was, a, see, it's, I know exactly what it means, because it's kind of like how in The Five Bloods, like, he was in the movie yes but there was it's like there was so much more going on than just yeah. him in the movie that that's why like the movie overall like it what it's 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 exactly like how black panther is to me personally like how i like culturally how everybody we all love the movie it's because of what it is and everything going on it not mm-hmm. just specifically the superhero mm-hmm. the black panther exactly like it that's yeah. a big part of it but Everything and like Wakanda and just what the movie stood yeah. for. Like and the movie the isn't great. Marshall. The movie isn't perfect. Yes, what it represents is so yes. much more. Yeah, yeah. And the same and the same and it's the exact same thing with Marshall. Like just watching the movie and everything that was going on. Like his performance was his performance was great. But like you said, like Gad's performance was right there. It was right there. It was amazing. He was the he was the hilarious parts in it. And their chemistry together as the movie went along was really was really good. Yeah, and just, it was. It was a good there were no bad performances. No, no even it, it, Sarah was so funny. Sarah doesn't like Kate Hudson. Historically, she oh, does me not neither. like Kate Hudson. <laughs> yeah. uh, and even in this movie, she's like, in this movie, I kind of thought she was okay. And oh, I wow. wonder if that had something to do with her being like a villain in the movie. Yeah, exactly. It's like I it hate so- her already. Now I get permission to hate her. <laughs> it, was so, it, it made me because I'm saying it made me it, like instantly think of To Kill a Mockingbird, right? To where I went and started doing even more research on To Kill a Mockingbird and found yeah. out that there was a second book called yeah, Go, the, Set uh, Go Set a Watchman, which was actually the first cut of the movie where yeah. actually Atticus is like, he's a racist in that. In yeah. That book. yeah. What? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. yeah. We don't, we don't talk about that too much. Cause I have, yeah. I have a feeling that that book was, that book was never supposed to be released under, yeah. under uh, Harper Lee's watch. I don't think she ever wanted it to be released. I think once they found it, like she had, she, she was no longer able to kind of like, you know, uh, she, she wasn't of sound mind. And I think the oh. moment that that happened, I think that yeah. her family took advantage of that. And tried to, re- they they were ready for some more money to come rolling. 
Oh, that's unfortunate. And so they released this manuscript that was not a complete book. Uh, and I mean, I appreciate it for what it is. I I value it as basically like I get to have some notes that Harper Lee wrote that yeah. weren't supposed to be in the book, but they huh. were still thoughts that she had. So mm-hmm. I value them like that. But to kill a mockingbird, like that is the I oh, named my daughter. <laughs> like, yeah. oh, I love that book. Oh no, that's I, the, I, it's my book. it's my one of my favorite books, and she's my favorite author. Like, it, mm. it has a very special place in my heart. So yeah, I recognize that about Marshall, yeah. uh, and to the point where both Sarah and I were looking up, like, all right, the timeline on this. When did this case? Did this case yeah. actually happen? Yeah. When did this case happen? And when did this case happen in relation to when To Kill a Mockingbird came out? Same, same. I was like, like, oh my God, did she make To Kill a Mockingbird Mockingbird because of Thurgood Marshall? I was all like, Thurgood Marshall, To Kill a Mockingbird, like looking up everything between it. Yeah. And And she very well may have. Huh. Bro, it it checks out. It could have definitely happened. But I guess, uh, you know, if it's a movie called Marshall, it should have been a movie that basically led up to the the Brown v. Board of Education. Yeah. Um, yeah. Desegregation of the schools. That's that's the story I think people want to see. People want to see that. And even though, like, there are so many things at play and so many reasons why uh, the movie couldn't be that. I mean, you're talking about, like, having the rights to tell that story. Yeah. Uh, like, there, there's a lot of red tape, and I, I know that. Even though I've never had been through it and couldn't understand it. I know that there's so much involved, but I feel like if you're going to stop down, you're going to make a movie about Thurgood Marshall's life. Like you really should be telling that story. And, and you could do kind of like what they did with uh, uh, Kevin Costner's Wyatt Earp movie where they told a lot of things. Like they kind of covered a lot of his history. And this could have been one of those like 20 minute points of the movie where we talk about what he did for Joseph Snell or spell. Um, Sterling K. Brown played by played by Sterling K. Brown, which he's fantastic. Oh, I love him. Um, yeah, yeah, he's he's so good in this movie. Uh, and kind of like cover this then and establish like who Thurgood Marshall was because I I get it. Like at the time when this took place, Thurgood Marshall was the only lawyer that yep. worked for the NAACP, yep. the only one, and so he was sent wherever they needed him to go. But there's something, there's something about the story. There's something that kind of discounts the journey you go on when Thurgood Marshall can't even be at the court when the final (laughs) verdict is read. Yeah, Yeah, that was cheap. I did not like that. (laughs) Cause they've, yeah, cause they made Gad the superhero. They made him, they made him the hero. The movie should have been called Friedman. Gad. Friedman. Gad. <laughs> the musical. Yeah. Well, I mean, come on. There's there's a fun clip, and I, I posted this because Sarah had commented on Facebook about Marshall after she finished watching it. There's a fun audio uh, video clip of Sterling K. Brown, Chadwick Boseman, and Josh Gad doing the melody part from Motown Philly. Ooh. While while working on this movie. Like they just kind of oh. stopped. It was during a break, and they just kind of sang the melody part. And it's mm. It's such a beautiful clip. And you could see like from the tributes that everybody has put out. And I know that there's a little bit of a, a schmaltzy Hollywood. Like th- Hollywood loves to mourn the passing of one of their own. Yeah. But- and so and, and you feel like, you, you know, there's a little bit of uh, artificial, uh, like a bit of an artificial nature to it. But there's something that seems so genuine about like if you if you saw Josh Gad's tribute where he's like crying. 
the entire time talking Aww. about like there hasn't been there has been no actor so far that has worked with Chadwick Boseman and it's fun going through these movies and realizing oh he's played he worked with this person too and he yeah. worked with this person so then I look up their Twitter accounts and the tributes yeah. that these people are paying to him is like man this is this is something else because you know when when your boy Fred Willard passed away. Like a lot of people posted things like, hey, it's sad that Fred Willard passed away. Uh, I mean, I know Ty Burrell posted a thing where he cried, but Fred Willard played his dad on Modern Family. Um, But like it wasn't to this point. And I would say that Fred Willard had a very long and storied career. Yes. uh, And and touched quite a few lives. But obviously, like the, the connections that Chadwick Boseman forged with people like Dan Aykroyd's tribute. Because uh, Dan Aykroyd is in Get On Up, worked with him oh. on Get On Up, uh, his tribute, and just like everyone talking about how gentle of a soul and like how oh, he yeah. was a king. He was a king on screen, but the things he did off screen, yep. like they talk about the charities that he worked with, the charities he worked for, how humbling mm-hmm. the success of Black Panther was for him, and how it was just, it was funny because they're like, it never went to his head. You know, it, it never, he, he just continuously, like there's a, uh, and it's probably an internet rumor, but there was a story that some guy told he was like working in a bookstore in New York and it, it was like a, a place where they sold like plays, stage plays. Mm-hmm. And Chadwick comes walking in and some guy goes walking up to him, like the only dude in the store that had the balls to just walk up to him and be like, hey, man, what's up? And like kind of bend his ear and find out, like get some tips about how to make it, you know what? It, and he said, like Chadwick Boseman sat down with the guy, talked to him, talked about his favorite shows, his plays, stuff yeah. like that. And so, like, after, like, a 30-minute discussion, they, they kind of split ways. Chadwick Boseman, like, recommended a few books and then came up to the counter, and he had two stacks of books. He had one for – he was like, these are for me. He's like, and these are for that guy. Just hide them behind the counter. Give them to him when he's getting ready wow. to go. Wow. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yep. And it's like, you know, to understand – and it's like that has all the makings of just an internet myth. But it it also well, seems like it's like the kind of thing you want to believe, though, too. Like, yeah, you can, oh. you can hear one or two stories and maybe say, oh, who knows? It just made up. Maybe that person had a good day and uh, you, you don't hear the bad stories. But when you hear it over and over again consistently and the outpouring mm-hmm. we have yeah. watching the, the movie the other day, you know, Jenna just kind of caught the tail end of it. But one of the comments she made was he just looks kind. You can tell and she's a good yeah. read on, on character of people. He, he just has kind eyes and that is consistent across all of his films no matter what role he's playing i think we all kind of relate to him in a way even if we can't literally relate to him uh, we we see the humanity behind his eyes i think that says something about someone who's played so many historical figures yeah so many people that actually existed i think there's a level of empathy that you need to possess yes to be able to convincingly play those roles yeah that's right because I mean, if anything, that is the epitome of having to take yourself outside of yourself and understand somebody else. Um, so would you say, Tess, that Mar- Marshall was your favorite role? Was it also your favorite movie that you watched of his? Definitely. But I'm like, okay, definitely. I was like, would it be his best? I was like, that was your question is what I'm now yeah, thinking Yeah, that was my question. <laughs> yeah. Ah. Man. Because because even though I said his portrayal as James Brown I thought was his best role, I don't think it was my favorite film that he's done. Yeah, like yeah, because Marshall is my favorite. His best, I I really did like Twenty One Bridges as well. Twenty One Bridges is it's it like was it's so unexpected. 
it's it's good because like like it's so amazing that he did so many historical figures like that that all those movies are in his catalog but he got another movie that could have been his own to yeah, see that and see him be able to do that it's a, and it's exactly why you wanted me to watch all these different movies like you were like to show because you're like if you see these different films you will you will appreciate the black panther role even more and you'll also see that he just has range it like he had so much range in in his in yeah. his repertoire like the movies that he was in and the things the, that he did the range was insane but it's funny that you said that because Jackie James Brown, I keep wanting to say Jackie Brown, James <laughs> yeah. Brown. Uh, and it's not because I'm thinking the Quentin Tarantino movie. It's because I'm thinking Jackie Robinson and James Brown. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you, you kind of hit it on the head for me that my favorite movie that he's done is, in fact, The Black Panther. Mm-hmm. Because all of these things help me appreciate like even more him as a performer, but I think Black Panther is his, it, it's his shining like moment. It, he, he, it. he gets to be a full superhero. He gets to be that thing, that, that beacon mm. for, for kids and Forever, a role yeah. model, you know, like it's, that is, it's, it's Chris Evans, Captain America. It's James yeah. Bond. Like yeah. it is it's something it's, that's going to transcend time. Like this, this role and this movie is going to be it's going to be larger than life it's going to it's going to outlive all of us yeah and as such he will outlive all of us because of that movie how do you think they'll uh, treat uh, black panther 2 do you think there That's will there question. be a black panther 2 i think there's going to be a follow up uh i've seen a few things online and i really wish i had come up with this but i didn't and so i'm stealing it from what i've seen that Instead of recasting T'Challa, what we do, and I don't know how you explain it away, but somehow you explain, like, T'Challa's gone, and it's going to be his sister taking on the mantle of the Black Panther. I see that. I think Letitia Wright, the Shuri character. We do like her. I like her a lot. She's so good. And you said that happened in the comics, actually, though, like, to where she's the, she's, she's the, she is. I don't know. I don't know if she does that in the comics. Oh, really? well, see, I looked up your boy, Reg- your boy, Reg- Reginald Hudlin, who apparently boy, who has boy. retweeted the editing bay tweets twice now. Oh, man. Got to love Reggie, man. Shout out to Thank Reg- you, Reginald Hudlin. Yeah, man. If he's listening, man, you've done a lot of good things that I've loved. <laughs> that's what I, hey, that's what I realized two days ago, man. Not just House Party, but he he wrote for the Black Panther, man. He also wrote with uh, he also worked with tarantino on on uh django oh really on that oh he's a producer yeah. that's right oh yeah, yeah man he's done a lot and i forgot what I, and he was the also uh, yeah oh boomerang from 92 which i get one of my middle names marcus from yeah so he's done a lot and also i think he he was um a producer a writer on i think uh 21 bridges like i oh, wanted was I want it was one of these movies that I just saw that I saw his name on that I was like, oh my god, Reginald Hudlin. He's a yeah. he's a producer on this too. I gotta look that wow. up which one, on which one it was. But man, that's crazy. Yeah, but no. Oh, but I wanted to ask you though about like oh, going into the comics a little bit too, because I was listening to one of the podcasts I love. I mean, this is gonna be a plug even though they don't need one, but uh the brilliant idiots, you know, with my boy Schultz and Charlemagne the God. Charlemagne like, the God. And like I told you, Charlemagne God, like he loves comic books like you do, and everything. They were I talking- love Charlemagne, man. Listening to him geek out. 
Oh, bro, it's so it's so amazing to listen to him geek out. So he was so I, I feel like you'd really appreciate this actually because he was talking about how the reason why Marvel apparently is like better with the films than DC is is because of the fact that like they had to be more creative with what they had because they didn't have the rights to like their A list things like how like how um, DC had the rights yeah. to like you know right. uh, X Men and all of them but because apparently like iron man and like all the heroes that we love like thor and all them that we've grown to love in these movies they weren't, they weren't the best-selling comics they were the b they were b-list uh characters is what yeah. i didn't know but what you were they telling were me as well and That's i was right. like i was like oh man i feel i was like man this sounds like i'm talking to like i'm listening to joe tell me about this because he's talking <laughs> about how they don't have they don't have the rights to like their a-list women so like if they, they, if didn't, they have didn't have spider-man they didn't have the x-men yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I was like, "Oh man, that's." I was like, "I got to tell, I got to talk to Joe about that." So I was like, "So you you agree with that as to like, so who are like other characters in the Marvel universe or like just like I guess in the superhero universe that we just haven't seen that if they well, had, I guess had the rights to or you would rather have seen, haven't seen that we haven't seen in the MCU officially. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you've got the Fantastic Four. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, we've seen three. F- attempts at making the fantastic four the yeah. silver surfer uh you've got the uh you've got the x-men which you know oh, have, yeah. they've enjoyed a certain amount of success but we haven't seen them in the mcu i watched the thing earlier uh, today yes. and it's talking about like talking about all of the the ways that uh kevin Feige, fiji fiji uh feig i don't know how to pronounce his Me name either. how he has been since the first mcu movie he has been laying little breadcrumbs leading up to Wolverine entering the MCU. Oh, really? They've been working for, he's been uh, working for a long time to put that stuff together. Like, you know, the fact that he's put together, like in the Hulk, the Edward Norton Hulk connects to Captain America because of the super soldier project. Mm-hmm. And that the super soldier project is actually also what was weapon X in Canada for, for Wolverine. Like they're putting that stuff together. The big rumor is that there is going to be the, the way that they're going to introduce Wolverine into the MCU is going to be just like how he was introduced in the comics. And that is as a character in a Hulk story that he's going to show up. They're going to make uh, a Hulk movie when they make, when you see a trailer or an announcement come up for a Hulk movie, that's good because they're about to introduce Wolverine. Woo, I like that. Oh, are they yeah, ever going to do She-Hulk? You said she's amazing too. Yeah, She-Hulk's yeah, She-Hulk's going to have a, a TV show. Nice. I think it's going to be a TV show. Do they um, have so many just TV shows? That Spider-Woman is going to be uh, what's her name that was in uh, Tron Legacy. Uh, oh, she's going to be Wild? Olivia Wilde. Olivia Wilde oh, is going to be directing Spider-Woman. Olivia Wilde. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Like a live yeah, action. See, yeah. They, so they, I mean, look. Getting back, getting back on track. Like the MCU is fine, and but you're right. Like there's a lot of stuff. Like in the comics, T'Challa's wife is Storm from the X Men. Yeah, I heard that. I heard that. I heard that while reading up on Reggie Hudlin. So here's the fun (laughs) thing about that: when they were first casting the X Men movie, people were really wanting. um, uh, uh, God, what was she played? T'Challa's mom. Uh, Oh yeah. I, I can't remember oh, her name. Not Angela Bass. Angela Bassett. Yeah, Angela Bassett. Hey, Angela, there you go. Yeah. Angela Bassett. People really like people were dying. They wanted Angela Bassett to play Storm, the perfect casting. Angela Bassett, Angela Bassett. There was this big campaign. Get mm. Angela Bassett the X-Men movie. I remember. They ended up casting Halle, Halle Berry. Want, want. Uh mm. and the fact that the fact that Angela Bassett plays T'Challa's mom. And so so in mm. a way, 
the people's choice for Storm yeah. at one point was still the queen of Wakanda is like just oh, I it's love that. perfect poetic. Oh wow, it's perfect. that's a, yeah, that's it's a, very poetic. That's crazy that you would notice that too. Only you, Joe. Yeah, that's amazing. There's, it's not just me. I mean, <laughs> comic book nerds, comic book nerds would would notice this kind of stuff. Uh, and it's nerds. but you're right. There's so many B list characters. The Black Panther being yeah. like high on that list of B list characters that nobody mm-hmm. can like. The Black Panther comics did not sell well. The Guardians of the Galaxy comics did not sell right. well. Doctor Strange, mm-hmm. Iron Man, these were all mm-hmm. comics that did not. They weren't disappearing from the shelves. Mm-hmm. And the fact that Marvel did, Marvel took these properties and made stellar films out of them. Made like landmark summer blockbusters and successes out of all of them but the black panther not only being a box office success but a cultural success the fact that they knew exactly what they were doing from the cast from the production like everything about that movie spoke to a culture spoke to a generation Mm -hmm. without being pandering without it being like some kind of well we're throwing you guys a bone right it was never it was never a demographic move it was it was the right move. It was what we needed. Well it was said. what society needed to finally introduce that. I think that's what it, makes it, it uh, all the more heartbreaking then that uh, he's been taken too soon because I remember seeing soon. a video uh, it, it, taken from a, a movie theater lobby in 2017 or so when the, the trailer first came out. Um, and, and there's the big cardboard standee, you know, that, that you'd see like in the Alamo Draft House, the three-dimensional one with all the characters and and uh-huh. pe- people just going crazy, being like, "This feels like the future." Finally, after all this time, yeah. here's somebody who looks like us. Here's somebody who is starring. You know, he's not the side character. He's not yeah, hey, all black cast for the most part, God. front and center. Oh yeah, multi million yeah. dollar blockbuster. It, yeah, it yeah. felt like progress we hadn't seen in a while, even though it's just entertainment. You know. So that's what now leads me to talking about how I. Th- I have a sneaking suspicion that Disney Disney Studios knew what was going on and they were trying to prepare for the worst. Mm. And that's we already saw T'Challa in his own movie die and then come back. Then yeah. at the end of Infinity War, he was one of the ones that gets dusted. Yep. And a lot of people made a point about that. They're like, well, that's not fair. He's the only black superhero and you dusted him? Like why not? I mean, and I understand you had Falcon sure. and, uh, and and Rhodey too, but like, you know, you're like, but there you put Black Panther, put T'Challa up against Rhodey or the Falcon, and you want to see T'Challa? Yeah, true. Any yeah. game movie should be everyone's the fan favorites now banding together, and so the the theory that I've seen and what I'm kind of believing as well. Is that because I think you guys remember after the snap, T'Challa disappears, but Okoye sticks around. Mm-hmm. And then in Endgame, Okoye is kind of the one that gives them the briefing on like how things are going in Wakanda. Like, here, here's right. how things are going here. So, if I'm going to believe this theory, which I do, it's that Disney knew what was going on and were preparing for the worst with what was going on with Chadwick. And instead of dusting Okoye and keeping Chadwick Boseman so that way he could film majority of the stuff in Endgame, they dusted him and just kind of like, you know, all right, hey, worst case scenario, he's dusted. 
best case scenario, things go be- get better. He's on the mend, you know, it, it goes into remission. We can get him in this movie and he can come back and be part of the battle or whatever. And if so, uh, I'm so glad that it turned out that way because th- we have his yeah. final, that, that moment is the, cr- the fist pumping. Cr- he is. He's the first one who comes yeah. through the portal uh, during the big climax at the end. And yeah. I don't care what color you are, what age you are, what gen you are. If you're in that audience, everybody was cheering. And he just, you realized, oh, what had been missing for the yeah. previous two and a half hours of this film. Yes. Uh, and then he he does the whole hold the line that Ibambe, yes. Ibambe, oh, get chills. Which, which is funny because I do that with my son. <laughs> <laughs> it all started that like you know he kind of like will scream gibberish, and at one one day he was just kind of gurgling to himself and speaking gibberish, and it sounded like he did the Ibambe. And so I, so it's one of those things that we do now. Whenever I change him, I change his diaper, and I'll go Ibambe. And now he'll go, hey, baby. <laughs> yeah. Hey, he'll get there. That's awesome. <laughs> now, teach him how to say Wakanda forever. I know, right? Yeah. Cross, cross his arms, man. <laughs> Wakanda forever. Um, be a tough one day. Yeah. So I, I'm, I'm telling you, man, like it, it, this experiment of like watching his other films, watching his other projects has made me even more sad. Yes. Because. Yeah you now get to see really experience the breadth of his talent yeah. and like how limitless it seemed his potential was there's and a to see a star on the rise cut so short there's a shot at the end of uh, 42 the jackie robinson story where he's he's rounding the bases and it goes into that stereotypical slow-mo as he's coming into home base um and it's supposed to be a moment where we're reflecting we're thinking about jackie robinson but now that scene has forever been altered because all I saw was Chadwick Boseman sliding into home. And, uh, yeah, yeah, that's, that's the way I want to remember him. And I know millions of fans will as well. Let me ask you this. And this is kind of probably an inappropriate question, but it, the end of Endgame, Iron Man dying, like, <laughs> does, does it seem like, I don't know, like, there's, I just, I kind of felt like, I don't think I'm going to be able to watch the end of this movie because the end of that movie really is an emotional break. Oh, yeah. Like like the mm. moment that all the heroes show up, like you've been through so much crap. And and I know that's silly to say about a superhero movie, but it, it definitely, it gets you there. You get to that bit and like there's that release and to see Chadwick, Bo- I think seeing him come through that portal will make me more sad. Of course. Than- yeah. And Tony Stark's yeah. sacrifice at the end of the movie, just to know in real life, this guy's never coming back for another one. Like yeah. we're not going to see him again. Like this is, this is so tragic. This is so sad. Uh, I don't know. That just seemed like it was just a thought that entered my head. No, All right. Well, no. before we uh, before we kind of start wrapping things up, um, there's a voice that starts and ends. Book ends our podcast. Everyone. Uh, the, the one that says like yeah he's he's been on since the very beginning uh mm-hmm. you've been listening to the next wave radio network that guy uh ted mckay who i've known for years i worked with him uh with iheart radio we were both overnight jocks at the same time he was on a classic rock station i was on the the modern rock station and the thing is like we would take breaks while we were on the air we would just kind of jump into each other's studios and just geek out and talk about comics <laughs> for like ever and ever. like we just the best discussions in the world were had with ted mckay just talking about comics uh and when he found out we were going to be talking about chadwick boseman and the black panther and 
and all this like he wanted to he wanted to share he wanted to share what black panther meant to him uh because we've talked at length <laughs> and it seems very silly that me 42 year old white guy talking about the cultural significance of the black panther like maybe that's not who you need to be hearing it from so i think a really uh, like a real down earth guy with some really like great views on what the black panther meant to him and if you don't mind just like let's let's give ted just a couple minutes of your time hey thank you guys for letting me come on the show uh, i know you're doing the tribute to the black panther tonight i want to tell you what it means to me because here i am a black kid growing up in east texas and ain't a whole bunch of black nothing superheroes going on down there at least back in the late mid 60s late 1960s my dad was the kind of guy who always told us you need to be able to read. That way, if somebody tells you something, you can go find out for yourself and read about it and make up your own mind. You don't go by what he said, she said, because they can be wrong. So he would always buy us comics. I mean, we would always have Batman, Superman, Spider-Man, Fantastic Four, just all, all of those Marvel and DC uh, characters were just everywhere. And I asked my dad one day, I said, you know, why are there no black superheroes? And he was saying, hmm, you know, I don't really know. So I come across a Fantastic Four episode that I used to get every month or every other week whenever they would put them out. And uh, I saw this Black Panther character. And I'm like, okay, it's just some guy who's a janitor and accidentally stumbles across some radioactive goo, and all of a sudden he turns into a cat in, in the night and when the moon is full and all this kind of stuff. And so I got it and didn't really show a whole bunch about it. But not much later, here comes uh, this comic book, and it's a Black Panther. And I'm like, okay, hmm, let me check this out. Bought it, and I'm like, okay, here's another janitor story. Goes in the broom closet and turns into the Black Panther. But then I found out that the guy was a king over in Wakanda. And it wasn't some little poor nation where you had people running around trying to, you know, starve and trying to scrape and everything. This was a country that had lots of wealth. As a matter of fact, the movie shows it better than the comic book did. It just showed it kind of like being the typical African nation, you know, with just not a whole bunch of anything going on. But uh, I always thought it was so cool. So I started reading about it, started getting off into the character. And it was like, you know, this is pretty cool. You know, one thing I have found out before I did this, I wanted to make sure I had everything right because I know how Joe is about information. If it's not right, he will call you out quickly and tell you it's like, no, that's not right. And we've had many deep conversations about Marvel and DC characters. So, you know, I respect his opinion. I, I was like, you know, I didn't know anything about the Black Panther, really. And I started reading and I didn't know Stan Lee said, you know what, this is 1966 and I want to come out with this character but I don't want him associated with the group out in San Francisco. It's something totally different. So they started to call him the Cold Tiger. And he was saying, nah, we gotta stick with Black Panther. That's the best way. That's what my instincts tell me. And you know, I did find out some things as I turned the page that uh, the Black Panther storyline is really, really long. From what I understand, his sister Siri is supposed to be like the next Black Panther because he left. He's supposed to have a brain aneurysm so they could use that. I didn't know that uh, the Black Panther and Storm got married and he had a big fight with Dr. Doom. And after he had this battle with Dr. Doom, he gained these super abilities to be able to control the undead. So as far as the Black Panther going away with uh, Chadwick dying, 
No, it's not going to go away. As a matter of fact, I found out there's a series that's supposed to come out next year that's called What If, and it's an animated series, and he voiced the character in that animated series. So knowing him, if you know, if he knew he was dying, I'm sure he went to Disney and said, look, I'm not going to make it to the next movie, but let's record some stuff so we can make a transition here to make it better instead of you just coming up and recasting the thing and lose all credibility. So I'm sure they have something somewhere that's been reshot or redone or some kind of idea they came up with. So that's what the Black Panther means to me. It just shows instead of a guy being, you know, some guy in the hood, you know, selling drugs and ripping off people and being a pimp, you can be a black superhero too and have dignity and pride about yourself. That's what it means to me. And when I went to see the movie, it made me feel very good, very proud of what Marvel did. So thank you guys for letting me give my opinion and uh, Wakanda forever. Uh, I guess this is so weird. So so we'll uh, we'll just kind of go through our our final spiel because that's that's our show um we've uh we've got what coming up next week i, I think we're gonna get back on track yes uh with romeo and juliet you're right uh and then after that uh i know at the end of romeo and juliet we're, we tease that we're gonna do runaway uh we're not gonna do runaway we're gonna do that Aww. when we come back around on the next bit uh in Instead, I'm going to go ahead and because I've forced you guys to do this, uh, I'm going to go ahead and let Tess, not force. Tess, what are you going to pick for after Romeo and Juliet? Not force, not force, but for a palate cleanser from that terrible Romeo and Juliet what? movie. What? Classic. Watch. Spoilers. <laughs> yeah, classic stinker. You know, after that. So, un- so uncultured, Tess. <laughs> I, I am an uncultured swine. That's why I picked a movie that's, you know, very cultured and very hilarious. I'm talking about 2006's Grandma's Boy. Oh, yeah. This is a long time coming, man. This is a long time. Me and Joe been waiting for this, Joel. We've been talking about it, man. I vaguely remember <laughs> hearing about this movie, and uh, I remember immediately thinking, like, this is not for me. But uh, that was two thousand. Oh, that is. was two thousand six. Oh, but it is. Well, now man. that I know yeah, it, it's yeah. about a a thirty five year old video game tester um, yeah. who has to move in with his grandmother. <laughs> like, uh, that's, that's up my alley, man. It's got Nick Swartzen. Yeah. Yep, Nick Swartzen, my baby <laughs> Linda Cardellini, Joel Moore from oh, yeah. uh, from the Dodgeball movie. Oh yeah, yes. yeah. yep. And Jonah <laughs> Hill, Peter Dante. So next week we'll we'll talk about uh, Romeo and Juliet, and then the week after that, stick around. We'll we'll talk about Grandma's Boy. Um, so yeah, leave go to Facebook.com/slash Editing Bay, uh, or you could type in uh, the Editing Bay in that search bar on Facebook and find that image of the woman with the bleeding eyes. Click on that. That's where you could talk back to us. Let us know what you think about uh, Chadwick Boseman, the movies, the legacy he's left behind. Uh, go ahead and share your stories and. Uh, We've uh, we've also got a website you could check out, right, Joel? We sure do. It's not the Editing Bay. It's not Editbay. It is EditingBay.com. Please go there. That's where you're going to find links to all of our social media networks, uh, links to subscribe right to the podcast. If you're not already a subscriber, you just heard this somewhere, a little one-off. That's where you're going to subscribe. Uh, you can hear all of our past episodes uh, and uh, all that and more on EditingBay.com. Hey, leave us a rating and a review if you wouldn't mind. Five-star rating would be fantastic. Uh, and then a review. Just let us know what you like about the show. Uh, and you know what? Even if there's stuff that you think we could do better, we could improve on five-star criticism. We accept that, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're going to go ahead and wrap this thing up. Uh, Jeff, thank you very much, sir. Oh, by the way, today... Ooh. 
Jeff's birthday. Oh, happy birthday, Jeff. Happy birthday. Yeah, <laughs> co-founder, co-founder of Next Wave Radio, Jeff Earnshaw. It's his birthday. Happy birthday, sir. Uh, Tess, great job. Yeah, man. Thank you. Joel, always a pleasure. Pleasure is all mine. Hey, and uh, we'll catch you guys next week for Romeo and Juliet. It's fun to watch just what it means to people. At times, like I, in my head, I'll be like, well, what does this do for the world? Like, actually, what is it? You know, is it actually valuable in, in this climate? And I have to say, yes, it actually is. Not because it, it makes people escape. I think when done right, um, it gives people hope. I found that it means a lot.